Hello, and welcome to Tea Time with Tech Marketing Leaders. On this podcast, we talk to marketers about how they help their brands get found via transparent, measurable digital marketing. I'm your host, Carrie Gard, and this week I had the opportunity to interview Quincy Johnson. Quincy is the marketing automation digital specialist at Javelin Agency down in Irving, Texas. He's also an adjunct professor on social media marketing at the University of Texas in Dallas. He is passionate about content creation, helping others, brand strategy, MarTech, social media, and music, among other things. That was just a small list that I cobbled together from his LinkedIn. Oh, and fun fact, Quincy's in a band. Yeah, we got to talk music. It was really fun. On the podcast, we talked about social media. I mean, he's a teacher in it, so why not learn from an expert, right? Considering he teaches it, we might as well be the students today. And uh, he gives us a great lesson and inspires us on how we can engage across Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, how we can layer MarTech on that so that we can measure it and automate it. And, uh, And he talks about what he teaches his students in terms of how to think more holistically, not just about the channels themselves, but how are you going to string these things together and tell the story? It's so good. It's so good. Oh, I really loved my conversation with Quincy. So yeah, let's, let's take a listen. Here's Quincy's story. Hello, Quincy. Thank you for joining me on Tea Time with Tech Marketing Leaders. Hello. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm, I'm excited about this conversation. I think it's going to be really fun. But before we get into the, the meat of it, why don't you tell our audience your story? What do you do and how did you get there? Um, so I do a few things, uh, but primarily I... Um, am a part of a marketing technology uh, operations and strategy team. Um, and I also teach social media marketing um, at the University of Texas at Dallas. And I got here, uh, it's been a wild, wild journey. Uh, so I started <laughs> um, as a, a sales rep, um, inside sales rep at a software company. Um, but then during that time I was going through and getting my uh, undergrad degree, um, kind of in marketing. Um, I decided that's essentially what I wanted to do. Um, and then uh, I fast-tracked because I didn't like school. Um, and I literally only have like one year uh, left uh, if I would have done my master's. So I fast-tracked, got a master's. Um, and during that time, I kind of just uh, transitioned over to marketing at my company and have been kind of in this lane since and uh, discovering all the things, uh, both social and MarTech wise. Okay, before we get into the social piece, because that's where we're going we're gonna to hang out for most of this conversation, I do want to ask, because I'm asking everybody right now, given the current state of things. It's just nice to hear from other marketing professionals where they're at and how things are going. Uh, nice to hear we're not alone in this crazy, crazy <laughs> world. So tell me, Quincy, what's one big challenge you're facing right now? Um, 
So do you mean professionally uh, or just like industry-wise? Either. Okay. Um, So I think part of it, like, and I think everybody's probably experiencing the same thing. It's kind of just that connection piece. Like everything feels um, a little bit um, disconnected. Like, so if we're thinking like working with the team, um, it's hard to um, come together and um, have that same sort of, uh, synchrony um, because you know obviously you've been in rooms and meetings and stuff like that where a lot of the magic happens like where people are feeling vibes um, and feeling that common energy um, and it's kind of hard to feel those same vibes on like a zoom call or something like that so um, I think connection um, both internally um, and then out to the customers kind of uh, kind of kind of missing so true. There's something about being in the room with everybody and bouncing ideas and seeing faces. Is there anything you've done in the last year to help? Obviously, nothing will ever replace that. But is there anything you've done to sort of help bridge that gap or create that feeling? Um, I mean, I think a lot of it has been like, and we've probably um, seen more of it like over the last year, um, is just simply kind of like asking uh different types of questions of your team um, and of, of people like just like the how are you doing um, like the like the compassionate type questions mm-hmm. that uh, more people are more willing to share now um, in a time of vulnerability when everybody's like maxed out to 20 so maxed out uh, yes <laughs> cup overfloweth um, exactly <laughs> Oh, yes, we're all we're all in that boat and all looking forward to getting back to seeing people again. We've been a remote first company since we started uh, almost 10 years ago. So when COVID hit, there was no shift in the universe for us. It was life is normal. But I will say I we, had, we have an annual summit every year. We had to do it virtual last year and it just we made the most of it. But it certainly was yeah, not so- the same it's so hard like and like it's one of those things that we're like I mean maybe the professor and me like even teaching like remotely like you can't get everybody to like come on video um you can't feel the energy in the room to know where to like maybe if you're lecturing or you're doing an event like you guys are doing to like take the audience like right Mm -hmm. so like it's hard to hard to feel that and see people's eyes hard to read the room exactly it is Yeah. Well, as a professor teaching social, even now remotely, let's get into it. Why don't you tell me what about social, what about it that makes you actually to the point where you're actually teaching it? Like there's got to be something about it. There's got to be a a hook there for you. What is it? Uh, I think like it's, it's sort of tailored towards me. Like I'm a, I would say an extroverted introvert. Um, and so like, I, like, I love people. I love uh, like connecting, um, but only to a certain extent, like I love observing even more. Right. And so mm-hmm. like, this is like the, like the grand um, human experiment, like the Truman show, if you will, <laughs> yes. uh, like, like across like all platforms and it's like global at this point. And so like, I think that's the kind of thing that fascinates me about it. That is, so true. Uh, it's like one of the reasons why I took up photography because it felt that way, like as an observer and sort of capturing it and documenting it almost felt like a, like science in a way. Yeah. 
and it, well honestly and it makes us observers not seem so creepy like because we can be <laughs> passive like <laughs> yes it's true it's true so let's talk about uh in that in that observate what observations have you noticed I mean especially in this last year I imagine there's been some shift from like a before COVID to an after in the way that I would, you know, sticking to brands and marketing have played a role in social. Have you seen a shift? Um, yeah. And so like, I think it's, it's really um, interesting um, to see like how even like, so if we talk about brands first, uh, there's like a huge scramble um, to, to find um, themselves, like, especially if there was not like a social presence, right? So now you're dipped into this, um, this sort of situation with the pandemic and everything, and you don't have whatever mode of communication or whatever mode of interaction that you had previously um, is now non-existent. And you're trying to figure out how to connect and how to just like meet people where they are. Um, but then you're, you're teetering the line of like not selling all the time and not being salesy. And so a lot of people, who may not have had a social media practice or who may not have understood like what it even is. Um, And honestly, like a lot of social media managers now are probably like laughing and um, because they've been trying to sell like what this is to like an executive or to like an executive board or whatever. And nobody believed in it. And now they're like, Oh, well, Hey, we believe in it because it's the only, only way that we can reach people. Um, and so it's, um, that's kind of the shift that I've seen, like a lot of brands who are quiet, um, who may not have been interacting with social or may not have understood it, or may not even seen value, um, uh, are now engaging. Um, but then also like if you think of social selling now, uh, like a lot of sales reps are, are dusting off their LinkedIn and trying to figure out how, how everything works and how they can still make sales. Uh, and thrive um, in a market that's not like hand-to-hand anymore. I could nerd out on LinkedIn probably for this whole conversation. So I'm going to try and hold myself back a little bit, but I do (laughs) want to talk about LinkedIn because I feel like I've been sort of standing on a mountaintop screaming to anybody who will listen how valuable LinkedIn has become. So maybe if they hear it from an expert, unlike myself, (laughs) they'll maybe listen. So let's talk about it. Tell me, tell me about LinkedIn in this new world where you're right, we can't come off salesy and we do have to be, as the buzzword goes, authentic, you know, so in your experience, what is, what is, how does LinkedIn fit into that social plan nowadays um so i think it depends like i would say drastically on the industry right and so like but if you are um uh trying to um sell a product or push uh, an idea forward uh, i think it really comes down to like the individual contributors Um, a lot of people may not realize that linkedin like so if you have like facebook or things like that facebook is kind of a uh business first uh, mentality then individuals fall under the business but when you think of linkedin um, and you think of how it's structured usually it's typically uh individual contributors first um because it's more of that that networking one-to-one um contact and then it's the association with the company uh, right like the company doesn't usually take forefront 
Um, and people research people um, on LinkedIn rather than researching companies uh, and going to company pages. And so like you've seen like the people who are stronger um, in who've already had like a, uh, a, a sort of um, practice on LinkedIn who've already been engaged, like they've been standing out a little bit more um, because they don't have to like start from zero um, and d determine how to produce content or how to interact with people. They've already been networking with them but then you see uh, a vast majority of people and like myself I've probably gotten uh like 20 in-mail messages like of like selling me stuff and and you've seen it where yeah. people are they send you like a follow-up to a follow-up and they're like oh my god I see you're not listening or you're not reading any of my things and so I'll, I'll just leave you alone now after five interactions so Ugh. I definitely see that. That is not the way to go, people. That is not what we're talking about. Um, for the you mentioned that there are people who are doing it right and have been doing it for a long time. Do you who do you sort of watch on LinkedIn that stands out to you? So I watch a uh, quite a few of like the bigger ones. Like you've seen like the Gary Vaynerchuk's, um, yeah. and like he he is like he's one of those people where like people who didn't see the value of social media like he's been screaming it from the mountaintop for like ever and now he's like I told you so uh him and then even just like Simon Sinek like just oh. from idea of like uh, showing people compassion and like leadership and compassion like he's selling a book right but at the same time he's staying he's been staying true to his message um and just sharing tidbits of information to to get more buy-in and so it's not direct hey buy my book it's hey here are ideologies that like fit into your everyday life and you can take these nuggets for free um and there's another one who's uh who was at drift and now he's at privy uh dave dave gearhart yes dave gearhart uh, is another one who i think if you're not following him i feel like he's right in your wheelhouse quincy um okay but the thing that I see that all these people have in common is that they're creating a movement rather than trying to sell a specific product. Yeah, 100%. Um, and I think that like, so if we look at like who is probably so if we look at levels of people who are probably doing the contribution thing well like at everyday companies right it's usually like the lower level not maybe some middle management people um, but the thing that you're missing and I would say that we're missing as a community uh, is like that executive like level um, of people who are sharing beliefs um, who can get garner more trust and probably uh, have more levity um, just based on their their titles alone right uh, but those people are essentially non-existent um, on social um, and I think that especially on LinkedIn if you get those people making contributions whether it's written or whether it's video uh, or things like that like it's easier for everything to sort of uh, trickle down um, to the rest of the organization but then that obviously widens the net uh, that you guys can cast now with brand recognition. So it sounds like from an individual standpoint, you not you want not just your sales team involved on social making connections, but having the executives on to drive vision, not necessarily, they're not, so if, the, if I was put together a strategy right now and you're the professor, yeah. so you're going to tell me what this sounds 
stop right there. Um, yeah. You know, give me a, you know, be sure to grade me here. So I would say have the executives be on social sharing, even if they have an assistant who's doing the sharing for them, because, you know, ghostwriter, as we like to call it. The as music. we like to call it. Yeah. <laughs> so they're sharing content on a regular basis, driving vision. And then yeah. the sales team is out making connections more around just wanting to get to know people. And then through following their social, their, their social, they're starting to understand pain points and then they can follow up and start making more thoughtful conversations over time. But it's not a, it's, it's an overtime thing. It's not a show up tomorrow and stop pounding the pavement, hitting up at people's LinkedIn profiles, trying to sell, sell, sell. It's making those connections, creating those relationships, that one-to-one is that what we're talking yeah, about? Yeah, that, that is 100%. And like, I will tell you, like case study wise, I've had uh, a number of clients who are looking for the short game when you come to social, like a, more specifically paid social um, and not using it as a tool to like inform future strategies. They are looking at, at it to be the payoff, the instant gratification. Uh, and I think that's kind of the caveat like with social is that some like we get engagement and that becomes the instant gratification. Um, but, and so you try and fit that into like a long-term strategy. And if you're not getting instant results, then it's kind of like abandoned ship, so. Right, right. And if you layer paid on top of this, then there's like a nice cohesion sort of going on from an awareness standpoint with the paid to then the more direct line with the sales team and the vision with the executives. So I know what I'm going to start doing. Um, <laughs> oh, I'm kind of already doing it, but I could see, I could yep. see elevating my game. I could see that. Uh, I like this idea of getting executives involved too. Like I, I think you're right. I think there could be a lot more of that from looking at what Gary Vee's up to, what Simon Sinek's doing and creating that movement of an idea. Because uh, brands, brands are doing, right? They're selling products, but they're also trying to sell in a movement, something new that's coming along that's going to change something. But yeah, but think about what it does like sort of internally and intrinsically within the employees, right? Like if oh, you yeah. see that your your executive, like your CEO or whatever is so bought in, he's so dialed into kind of like what he believes that he's willing to put things out there with regards to vision, with regards to like himself, like his vulnerability side and stuff like that. Like how how much stronger is the bond between employee and company going to be if he can see that it's not just internal sort of mumbo jumbo and it's like hey I'm putting myself out there like to so the world as well and so um, you get a lot of uh, evangelists so to speak um, if if you can build that trust and kind of put yourself out there as an executive as well oh that's so true that's so true okay that's LinkedIn. I like what you said about Facebook. I think that's really interesting where you talked about it being more about business first rather mm -hmm. than an individual first. So talk me through what that looks like. Um, yeah, I was going to say, so it's, it's basically like essentially Facebook can be like a lot of businesses, a lot of companies, like especially small mom and pop shops, small to medium sized businesses. Uh, maybe you're a, a personal development coach or things like that. Like that's your, like, that's your website. That's your, um, that's how you interact with people. Um, that's your like single source of truth uh, for the most part. Now, some people do have websites 
which is it ends up being just a kind of a repository of like information like if you want to dive deeper with the bio or if you want to look at like sort of housed content uh, or contact uh, me uh, in a, a indirect fashion like they have the website there but like um, Facebook has made it to where like you don't have to necessarily do that now you book appointments um, you schedule uh, meetings if you can book travel it's it's all encompassing into like the thing um, and so and now even with the the shop uh, page like you can if you're selling uh, products if you have an Etsy shop or or whatever it have what have you like you can actually list those things there um, people don't have to go anywhere right they could stay on platform so so let's talk about some bigger businesses then, because yes, I totally see that happening where I, so I live on a small island between England and France. And I find a lot of the times that I have to go to Facebook pages to find out anything about the local companies from uh, mm-hmm. finding their open times to ordering food from takeaway. Like I, it's all on, unf- it's, insane it's all on facebook it was a total mind shift for me from going from google to facebook (laughs) yep the craziest thing it makes a ton of sense though i get it so but for for b2b and bigger companies do you see value in using facebook from a social engagement standpoint or is it just you know linkedin's the spot to be in i do like so and in my viewpoint on this is that like the Facebook component of it, it's more of like we talk about like, um, I don't want to categorize it as hard and soft, but it's kind of more of like a warm and fuzzy pieces of it. Right. Mm -hmm. So people are, people are there um, unless they're specifically looking for a product, they're going to come to your page, but ultimately um, and uh, with Facebook now more so being like pay to play or high engagement, um the things that's going to get you high engagement like if you're a, com- a b2b company or whatever on linkedin um won't be the same things that get you engagement on facebook right and so like a lot of people and what i've seen kind of industry trends is, is is sharing like employee highlights employee features um important updates like so we have the pandemic like um sharing those type of updates um but just kind of more the like again the softer side the soft soft skill um, components of your company um, kind of like um, what is it scratching the belly of a puppy essentially is what <laughs> Facebook is. <laughs> oh, it's so true though. Like it's more it's more of a personal vibe. Like it's yep. getting to know. You know, if you think about your recruiting and you want somebody to get to know you, like, yeah, Facebook's a great place to go investigate a company to see like what their culture is like, if they're, if that's how they're using it, which it's a great spot to use it for that. I totally agree. We should, we could be doing that better, but that was the initial intent of, of what Facebook was supposed to feel like. Exactly. All right. Let's talk, you know, all right. We go, we got Facebook, we got LinkedIn in terms of B2B you know, what's the next, is there any other channels you think are, are somewhere they should be? <laughs> I won't go out there and say the CEO should be on TikTok making TikTok <laughs> videos. <laughs> sure. uh, but, but honestly, there, there is a space for that. And I mean, like, it's not all dance videos, which people uh, may believe, like, some people actually use it to, like, share information. Um, and so, um, like if you think of like 
the like for now like a CDC sort of thing, they would be on there sharing critical information um, or whatever, um, just because it, like it has like an enormous audience and like um, the way TikTok does things, it's not structured to where um, or prescriptive I should say to where you go, you have to build your audience, you have to find your niche market and do um, that for the rest of your life. Where it's it's like you could be this thing one day and then another thing another day um and it has no prejudice based on your niche market because people are there they're just taking in whatever um and so uh it could be interesting uh for some some businesses and especially because they just released um advertising um but the other one that i would argue is kind of like a um a great avenue um, which a lot of companies don't take advantage of and it's just because they don't know how to um creating content regularly is daunting um and and that's just the youtube aspect of it um it's highly passive um you don't have to sign in obviously um and i think the problem is that a lot of companies struggle with measurement um just because you don't have to sign in and um it could be extremely like Google search. I watched this video, um, but I I'd argue that it's super valuable because um, it is high on the brand awareness component of it. It is, it is, oh, it, it's a beast though. Cause <laughs> I feel like it's not just creating Again, you're you're the expert here, so you're going to totally correct me if you feel differently. In my opinion, it's not just creating videos; it's creating a channel mm-hmm. and having that branded the way you're you want to be perceived, and then the videos to tell that story, which need to be based off of where the industry has sort of gone. It needs to feel high quality. And I'm not saying that's necessarily hard to do that thanks to technology, but there is some level of technical there that is a hump to get over. Yeah, 100%. Um, But like, if you think about it in uh, sort of everyday valuable life lessons, right? So in 2020, there were 1.68 billion hours like watched on YouTube and that's just gaming videos, right? So if you think of like, (laughs) if you think of like how-to videos or if you, I mean, because that's the first place that I go to fix my faucet um, and stuff like that, like I've seen it pop up more so now, Um, but a lot of like people who, uh, again, we talk mom and pop shops where it's super valuable and like everybody has an iPhone right now. Um, and when we're looking at a how-to video, we're not really caring about like makeup and quality and stuff like that. Um, but if you're a local plumber, um, right, you could show people how to do those things. People may watch the video and still feel that it's too daunting and they may contact you because you seem like the expert on unclogging sinks or whatever, getting hair clogs out of sinks, you know? So um, it's extremely valuable just because of, again, how people go there for information and how many eyes are there. Yeah, no, I think I, I agree. I, um, video has definitely been, I mean, video was always sort of, if you didn't think video could 
be much bigger than it was than 2020 happens. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I look at my kids and I know that they're not going to need to go to either they're going to find something they love and it's going to go to YouTube and learn how to do it. Like I just, that's the classroom of the future. Um, I do believe that. And I do think there's value for brands if they can, especially, especially in tech and B2B, you know, if they can implement it the right way in, in really bringing that brand story to life um, and showing how I love this, showing how to do something could be, you know, it feels like you're giving away your secret sauce, but to your point, Quincy, it, people don't always have the time to do the, to do all of those steps to break it down that way. And so, yeah, at the end, either they're going to do it themselves regardless. And thanks to your help, you made it a little easier for them, or now they're going to hire you because they could see you could do it so much better. (laughs) But so, so think about this and let's look at it in practical terms. And I'm thinking I'm switching, um, I'm doing social and MarTech at the same time. And so like, if you think of like a Salesforce, right? So if Salesforce is putting out uh, videos, um, they do enablement videos currently on YouTube now, but like, and Salesforce, if you decide to take this, like I would love uh, some sort of royalty, but like, um, if you think about like um, training future um, kids and future workforces and stuff like that, if they put out a coding video or a sort of campaign mapping or something like that video geared towards kids um, and kids are learning to use this platform at like a younger age, right? 20 years from now, 10 years from now, it's, it's normal to them. Um, it's more uh they understand the platform and maybe they're a decision maker and they're like hey i grew up learning this platform i know how to do all the things and it's going to be easily adaptable um, throughout the organization because it's normalized everybody knows how to work the platform and do all the things um and even with new features like it's still familiar right and so like um just thinking like having that future vision um it would be highly beneficial i feel like amazon did that or they're on the brink of doing that, where they're like opening up a school, I think in Detroit or something on coding for that. Mm. And they're learning all the AWS systems, pretty much. That, that's perfect. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's exactly what they're doing. And it's so smart. I would totally agree, especially in the tech space. Like if you have a tool that that does take ramp up time and learning to teach you know young people how to use this thing out of the gate and then yeah like they could there's so much they could do with that in using your tool which they'd have to buy it essentially yeah i could see that you could you could be the next kleenex essentially like not everything is a kleenex but people that's the thing that they know it's like hey can you hand me a kleenex even though it's it's an equate brand it's (laughs) true (laughs) it's so true uh, one channel you didn't bring up, and I'm curious as to why, is Twitter. <laughs> what are your thoughts about Twitter? Um, so there's been a recent resurgence, especially with regards to kind of like the pandemic on Twitter. Um, I think it is um, valuable, but I think you have to be really strategic uh, with how you execute uh, on Twitter. Um, And that's just because it's so fast paced. And I think that like, if you are not, if you're doing okay on LinkedIn um, and your Facebook is just kind of meh, 
like you're not going to be ready for how fast paced and like how on top of things you have to be for Twitter. I mean, like, uh, I mean, the the two people that I follow, like I'm in Texas, right? So Whataburger is one. Um, and then we have like Wendy's um, who like is notorious for like how amazing their Twitter feed is. Um, it's hard to get that sort of engagement um, and capture uh those people's attention to where um, you even have recurring people uh, sort of frequenting um, your feed and actually going off of their feed um, or adding adding you to a favorite. Um, I think the the places where it's doing um, the best job um, and, and that's news outlets to where they can do live breaking stories um, where you can do uh, sort of like national weather service type updates, um, sports, it's doing really good. The highlights um, sort of watch with me action um, are, are areas where it's done really amazing, uh, but it's just, it, it's hard. Like most people don't have the, uh, the guts uh, to, <laughs> to keep it up. Yeah. And it, it does sound like it's the fast pace. So if you have news, that's, you know, news today, old tomorrow, Twitter's yep. like the perfect place for that. Yep. I have a question for you uh, that popped sure. up while we were chatting about some of these other things is, you know, as a professor, I'm a, I imagine you see a lot of, you know, a lot of ideas. Um, what is one of the most creative ideas you've ever seen in terms of uh, just something crazy, like sort of a wow, like I never thought of using a channel that way or a strategy that way like is there anything that's ever sort of caught you off guard and you're like whoa that's this so question cool. caught me off guard no. <laughs> <laughs> oh man let me let me dig in my bag uh real quick oh man that is a really good question. I, I can't think of one really uh, off to bad. Like a lot of, um, and especially the, the level that I'm teaching, a lot of people, like surprisingly, um, and even the age range, um, they don't necessarily um, come understanding social media, which is wild because I assumed at their age range, they would be like all about it and understanding all the ins and outs of every channel. Um, but a lot of people just don't go that deep with it. Um, and again, we talk about like uh, passive users and active users. Um, and there's a lot of people who are more on the passive side than actually active and engaging and building and things like that. So um I think I'm more surprised by not necessarily an idea, um, but more so uh, once there's an understanding, um, kind of the level of detail and like research that goes into things like just, and we're thinking like um, surface level, like analytics um, and building out buyer personas and, 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 and user personas and stuff like that. So um, I think my wow and aha moments have been when people have, um, who are not familiar with platforms and not familiar with social and stuff like that, who come to an understanding and are like, wow, I think I get it sort of mm -hmm. thing. And what, so what exactly are they getting? Is it just how these, all these things work together or how to use each one individually? It's, it, 
Yeah, no, it's, and it's so, it's funny because we have like a, a group semester project and like, they, you know, you've been in college group projects before probably where like um, some, everybody takes, they only want to be responsible for their um, sort of lane. Um, and then like mm -hmm. they try and transform her, um, the presentation together. Um, and so like, it's interesting to see how, um, like when they dive into those individual lanes, like, and they ask for feedback, initial feedback on the reports, like they're thinking kind of how businesses are thinking today, right? It's siloed thinking. And so they're like, hey, I put my component together, you put your component together, you could put your component together and let's just make like this like component sandwich or if you will, right? And then like everything should taste good, right? But mm -hmm. like, um, you have to think of it um, from a culinary mindset. And this is kind of, like the things that um, I try and drive them towards is like they have to, the flavors have to go together, right? Mm. Like, so you can't have an analytic strategy or an analytic focus or um, sort of customer journey. Like if you don't understand full through, like how um, that actually connects um, with the campaign, like with the creative, like with the strategy, like with the copy, um and with the upfront initial research uh, with the um i love that and one of the reasons that drew me towards marketing is because marketers actually have to know more than just marketing right you have to understand the business as a whole you have to understand the business vision value uh, product vision product value um for longer than just the immediate terms. And so like, once they start thinking like that and understanding where each component fits and start building uh, or matching engagement metrics on analytics with like, hey, uh, creative testing and creative components um, and copy, and then building that into personas and understanding how like all of that could fit one persona, but not the other. Um, and it's not like one size fits all. So. That was a long way of, of saying that it's a sandwich. It's like a sandwich. <laughs> it is. Yeah. I mean, you just described like my career of having to sort of go learn all of these things on the job, but wow, to get it all in one course um, makes me sort of wish I went to school for marketing. <laughs> I think I learned the hard way a little bit, um, which is how I tend to roll anyway. I've, I got to get my hands dirty to really unravel, but that's, that sounds awesome. Uh, well, I feel like our audience has a pretty good idea on how to go use some of these channels. And I'm sure you got way more up your sleeve on how people can do their social better. Any last thoughts that you would share in regards to this conversation before we close out? Uh, last thoughts, man, you keep hitting me with these questions. <laughs> um, and so like, I, I would say that the one thing um, is like, we're already in the thick of it at this point, right? Like, so if you haven't um, adopted like a digital sort of transformation strategy, you're kind of already behind the eight ball. Um, but then just kind of um, uh, think about um Vic, your, 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 your overall brand purpose as a brand, right, um, and strategy. But then um, there are, like, we're talking, like, MarTech landscape, there's, like, 8,400 tools. Like, the, the one thing that I would encourage people to do um, is to uh, sort of be lenient um, and allow um, enablement of, of these things. Like, because a lot of, like, a lot of 
social media marketing and a lot of just technology overall, like those things kind of don't come overnight. Um, you have to learn the things like, and once you learn them, you have to optimize and be efficient as to how to use them and stuff like that. And so um, it's the same with creating a brand strategy, building a company. Um, and so, yeah, my, my last words would be an entrepreneurial mindset with, uh, with your, your social media marketing um, or your marketing technology strategy. I would have liked to get into that, but we're really out of time. So maybe it's going to have to have you come back, Quincy. I just, yeah. Uh. All right. All right. I'm going to cut it there. If you would like to know more about all of these things that Quincy Johnson is laying on us, you're just going to have to reach out to him and learn more about it. Quincy, before we go, I have three questions for you that I ask everybody as a people first company. It's just so important to remember that we're all humans and it's nice to sort of pull back the curtain and get to know each other a little bit better. So Hopefully these aren't as doozy as the other ones. So we'll see. Are you ready? Yeah, let's go. All right. First one. Uh, any new hobbies that you've picked up in the last year? Uh, any new hobbies? Uh, no, actually. Um, I've always, I've, I've been reading more books. I've always been a voracious reader. So just, yeah, reading more. Is there any existing hobbies that you just got to do more of that? brought you joy it's definitely uh running uh, i would say like now that i don't have to sit in traffic for an hour and a half <laughs> like i can actually go run, go for longer runs in the morning oh awesome uh well if you could you know get back in your car and and travel back to work to an office to see all of those lovely people you talked about missing so much earlier and you're walking around the office floor and visiting desks and seeing people what song would you want playing over the speaker? Man, that's such a hard question. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, because there's so I love music, and so there's there's oh man, there's so many. Um, well, I'm gonna add them to our Spotify, so feel free to hit me with a few. Yeah. So. Um, I would definitely have to go with, uh, so let's say White Pony by the Deftones. Uh, I know it's kind of a harder song, uh, but I think that that's definitely, um, definitely one of those ones that like gets people pumped. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, what's the other one I was listening to this morning? Uh, so Bounce Back by Big Sean. I would say that that's definitely number two then. All right. Well, the Spotify playlist will be in the show notes and you can go listen for yourselves. Uh, I'm excited about pumped. that. Get pumped. Uh, all right. Last question for you. If you could travel to anywhere right now, where would you go and why? Where would I go and why? Mm, I think I would go to a beach although florida is not necessarily closed um, they're doing wild crazy things out there on the beaches in miami but like, <laughs> i would want to go to uh just kind of a beach and, and lay out just because like we haven't been able to take like the family vacation oh i hear that i hear that things to look forward to yes 100 percent. oh my goodness 100 percent. quincy this was awesome thank you so much for joining me Oh, no, thank you.
so much for having me. Like this is, I can't wait to come back, talk talk more in depth, and we can we can pick up where we left off. I think we should. I think we should. All right, you take care. Hi, you too. That was my conversation with Quincy Johnson. He's so humble, isn't he? I just loved his calm demeanor. It was an absolute joy to chat with him. If you'd like to connect with Quincy, you can find him on LinkedIn. Link is in the show notes along with the Spotify playlist. Are you making a culinary strategy? Do all the flavors jive? Ah, such a good analogy. If you reach out to Quincy, make sure to let him know what your favorite part of the episode was. That certainly, that certainly was mine. Thank you, Quincy. It was so lovely having you. And thank you. Thank you for listening to the Tea Time with Tech Marketing Leaders podcast, the podcast that helps you get found via transparent, measurable digital marketing. I'm your host, Carrie Gard, and until next time. This episode is brought to you by MKG Marketing, our digital marketing agency of agile experts who specialize in SEO, PPC, and analytics. It's hosted by me, Carrie Gard, COO and co-founder of MKG. Music, mix, and mastering done by our marketing assistant, Austin Ellis. And if you'd like to be a guest, please visit mkgmarketinginc.com to apply.